You are listening to the Tech Chef Podcast. This is episode number 75, June 20th, 2023. This show is powered by Constrata.io. Leading with operations, solving with technology. Hey, hey, hey! This is Nabil from Lunchbox, uh, founder, CEO, and chief product officer. Do not skip a second because you're listening to my friend Skip on Tech Chef Podcast. Let's have a great show. Strategy, business continuity. How about a taste test of restaurant technology? Drive through or curbside, mobile apps or AI. It's all on the menu. Cook it up for the day. It's a recipe for success. You're in good hands with a tech chef. Make a plan to be your best. Strategize with the tech chef. Welcome back to another episode of The Tech Chef, a haven of valuable insights and strategies designed to fuel your success in the ever-changing realm of hospitality and food service technology. I'm your host, Skip Kimple, ready to be your guide through a weekly feast of fresh ideas and groundbreaking approaches that will ignite your imagination and propel your business forward. Whether you're an industry veteran or a newcomer, Our diverse menu of expert advice and exclusive tips offers something delightful for everyone. With an unwavering passion for the fusion of technology and hospitality, our mission is to provide you with the latest trends and innovations, ensuring you stay one step ahead of the competition. So get ready to immerse yourself in a world brimming with knowledge. Our podcast serves as the perfect side dish to keep you informed and inspired on your journey to excellence. Be sure to hit that subscribe button and join us each week for an infusion of insights and game-changing strategies. Joining the show today is our special guest, Nabil, CEO and co-founder of Lunchbox. Nabil was born in Bangladesh, moved to Kuwait seven years later, and to Queens, New York, seven years after that. Nabil began his career as the first busboy at the Bear Burger flagship store in Astoria and spent his free time devising marketing objectives for the CEO. In 2019, he founded Lunchbox, a next-gen online ordering company that was built out of the frustration of trying to build his own digital ordering system at Bear Burger. In just a short period, Lunchbox has established itself as a premier product in the digital ordering space, partnering with industry leaders such as Firehouse Subs, Papa Gino's, Clean Juice, Wings Over, Bear Burger, and more. Today's show is not about Lunchbox. It is about AI and the new free AI application that can be found online to allow restaurants to generate food pictures for their online ordering guests. We take this much further into the legalities around intellectual properties, regulation, and the future of this technology as a whole. We have some fundamental differences of opinion around the IP side of things, but at the end of the day, we are all trying to figure out where this all lands and we're all in it together. It is a very engaging conversation. So I would like you to sit back and enjoy this time that I had with Nabil. Skip, thank you so much for having me. Long time listener. 
uh, we were talking, you know, uh, behind the scenes on uh, my favorite episode, and is it's the one with Mister uh, Mister uh, Burgerfy, which is your most popular uh, episode, I hear. So Mr. we're excited to be that. Yes, Mister Charles Gazetta. Yes, that's the Mr. episode. Charles Gazetta. I call him Mister Burgerfy. I feel like people people connect that. Uh, and uh, yeah, a little bit about myself. Uh, uh, I am an immigrant. Uh, I grew up in Bangladesh. Uh, I then went to Kuwait in the Middle East when I was seven. And then I came to America when I was 15. So the first 15 years of my life were outside the country and the last 15 have been here in the U.S. We're speaking today on uh, Memorial Day. So, uh, uh, so uh, you know, big fan of this country, big fan of, you know, coming here and, and, and working our way up uh, the life we had. You know, dad was a cab driver. Mom was a worker at Duncan. And, uh, and yeah, we, we all just went into hospitality or service industry. I got a job as a busboy at 17, worked my way from busboy to a CMO of a burger chain in New York. Uh, that was from 17 to 27, a decade long, amazing experience. That was my undergrad, my grad school, my internship, that was everything. And, um, and opened 50 restaurants in five countries. So that's a little bit about myself. And most recently, uh, founder of an awesome tech company called Lunchbox. Uh, yeah, that's it. That's a little bit about myself. So the 50-unit chain, what was it? It was Bear Burger. Bear it's Burger? Mostly, okay. Yeah, it's mostly on the East Coast, but we're in five countries. We're in Dubai and Germany and other places all around uh, Tri-State, and we served organic and uh, vegan burger before it was a thing. Like, we started in 2015. The company started in uh, 2009, but we were just always trying to pioneer serving amazing and healthy burgers and bison and ostrich and other exotic meats. Interesting. I did not know that at all, but I love that innovativeness of you. And speaking of innovativeness, so um, <laughs> I was talking to your crew recently. We are, we are all at the NRA show in Chicago, and I was yeah. talking to your crew about the last year's booth that you had where you had all the tattoo artists and people were getting tattoos. I was blown away by not only the creativity behind the concept of what you did, but the amount of people that actually got tattoos. And I was also told because of that, there's a general rule at the NRA that nobody can ever do tattoos again. Is that true? This is true. We, uh, we have gotten banned a couple of times from a couple of ideas and, and you know, my, my rule and the company's rule is we are tiny and we are upstart and we are scrappy like our customers, restaurant tours. And, you know, we have to make deal with less capital and why not have a blast doing it? Right. So that's, that's where that came from last year with the tattoos, you know, uh, uh, Sherry Kanzler from uh, fastcasual.com. She got a lunchbox logo, which is still blows my mind. The like, people were getting these tattoos and I was just so humbled. I really was humbled. I was emotional. I was like, well, I don't understand what, what's happening. Uh, and I think what was happening was we were all just, we just came together as a community. So we did that last year. Uh, we did that this year. This year we did arcade games, you know, retro arcade games. I don't know if you came by this time. And we, did, we're just trying yes. to have fun. Yep. We're oh, trying to have fun and then maybe sell some products later, but mostly trying to have some fun. Today, I wanted to bring you on the show not to talk about Lunchbox. That's not what we're here to talk about. We're here to talk about AI. So what intrigued me to start this conversation with you, and, and we first started having this conversation a few months ago, was about your AI food generator software that I started seeing on LinkedIn and being talked about. 
first of all, man, this is a broad question, but why are images so important with online ordering? Yeah, I think I think I think we have a bias, you know, at at, at Launchbox, and our biases, and I don't think this is far fetched, but our biases, uh, incredible brands, uh, building incredible brands take a long time, and in, in, incredible brands have everything that is top notch the food the wrapping paper the delivery bag the photos the the tech the the greetings when you show up the how they apologize when you drop the ball and it's just always on all the time who are who are these brands these brands are shake shack sweet green uh, firehouse subs uh who else like who do you consider these great brands that just get it right you know everywhere uh from your point of view uh skip Oh man, that's that's a great question. Um, brands that always get it right. You know, the brand that always sticks out to me is First Watch. First Watch just, First Watch. just seems to explode. I'm I'm watching some of these brands out there right now, like Wow Bow. Um, wow Bow, I love uh, Jeff. He's a great friend of mine. Yeah, really, really yeah. good guy. But there's there there are these brands out there, like you said, that really identify with you know how to connect yeah. with their audience. And yeah. how to provide those visual elements to really increase their sales and obviously come up with creative ideas to get to new marketplaces. Yeah. And I, I think yeah. those are a couple of different uh, concepts there. Uh, another broken egg kind of sticks out to me as well. Yes, 100%. And so, so what all these brands have in common is they go above and beyond in all aspects, right? And what we are trying to do is make that clear to everyone, that playbook clear. Like, hey, you need to have images on your food photos, all right? That's table state now. And also your modifiers, uh, more importantly, because those modifiers are where people spend a lot more time than the first image. And you are like, your customer is likely to spend, uh, you know, 30, 40% more, right? And they're li- more likely to order an item six times more if there's photo versus a non-photo. So you're not only increasing check average, you're also increasing the chances of a item being picked over item not being picked. And we just love those details. And we love that in some of our favorite brands who get everything right, not just the hero image, but the, the item image and the modifier image and the image of, a, of, a, of salt, if you want to add salt or if you want to add a tomato. And I think those details matter. And that's why we build this because we wanted all our customers to have it as well. Some of them are not as large. Some of them are smaller. Some of them are larger, but everyone needs it. And, 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 and we thought it would be nice to build this for them. So it was a real problem we wanted to solve. And that's a great issue. We're going to bring up a little bit later when we talk about AI in general, but with the AI food generator software that you created, um, you know, what's the backbone of that technology? The the backbone of that technology is open AI, right? So open AI has a component, which is Dolly. Uh, which is their, you know, if chat GPT is, you know, their chat arm, right? Dolly is their visual arm. Correct. So we built it on top of Dolly and we built it by doing two things. One is grabbing everything on the internet, which is what Dolly does. And also ingesting everything uh, within our own database. So we can go ahead and marry the two and have a burger show up like a restaurant or would want to, right? And have a hot dog show up like a restaurateur want to. So it, it, so we built it on top of uh, Dali uh, and, uh, and, and they have done an incredible job in making it easy to build on top of them. I give them so much kudos. So can anybody use it or do you need to be a Lunchbox customer in order to use this tool? No, anyone can use it. 
right? We 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 pay for it. Uh, it's a very small fee that we pay Dali uh, for every time you do a request, and we 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 uh, are allowing everyone to do it. And that, that's how you know our, our our whole thing is we're going to end up making money at some point, but we need to go ahead and take care of the industry first, and take care of everyone in the industry, and have an open industry. Uh, if we're going to go ahead and take care of everyone uh, later and be a profitable company. So our approach always is keep it open, keep it simple, give it to everyone. All right. So here's we get it, where we get into the difficult conversations around AI, which I think it's going to be intriguing to have this conversation with you. So <clears throat> AI copyrights, the intellectual property and ownership of these images. I'll, I'll just preempt this with my wife is a digital artist, um, mm-hmm. she does book covers, she does fantasy art for, for games. And there's been a lot of controversy, obviously within mm-hmm. her marketplace about mm-hmm. what is the ownership of this? Because there are some class action lawsuits out there right now with digital artists where people are generating yeah. images based upon these artists. And it is generated based upon images that are found on this artist online. So it's a very, very slippery slope. What are your what are your thoughts around the intellectual property and copyright behind some of this stuff? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. One of my favorite documentaries is a four part, four episode documentary called everything is a remix, right? It's a incredible documentary. Uh, everyone should watch it. It's free on YouTube and Vimeo. And what everything is a remix is, is a four part series on the fact that everything is a remix. One of the thing that is one of the two of the biggest remixes of all time is a you know a small movie that you might have heard of Star Wars and another one which is Kill Bill. If you look at those two movies, that is a cocktail of everything those two directors have loved, from Japanese movies to westerns to elements of revenge series and just you know all things everything that they have loved. And they were not uh, shy about it. They were very very uh, deliberate in paying homage to some of their favorite movies. So why am I, why am I saying that? Because yeah, one of the parts is movies, easiest to grasp, right? And uh, one of the other ones that is hardest to grasp is technology, intellectual property, right? Uh, software, you know, uh, what are we releasing? What is China copying and vice versa? What are we ripping off from them? So my point of view in this whole thing is um, there's no stopping this, right? Uh, I think what we, what we have to do is figure out uh, what are the parts that humans can keep and what are the parts that we need to give up to AI? Um, and that is a hard thing to say, right? It's a hard thing to say because we thought AI would replace blue collar jobs and then white collar ones, but it is doing exactly the opposite. It is taking white collar jobs at first, writers, artists, graphic designers, musicians. It's going after them first. The people we thought are the most, uh, you know, who would have the most moat against this those are the ones being affected. And then eventually it will come to blue collar, collar job. It really hasn't affected a blue collar job at all right now. Right. So I think, uh, I think we need to prepare for that and accept it. And this is coming from someone who's a former designer. So I'm a former designer, just, you know, UI designer, graphic designer. And the reality is what are the parts that humans can control? Those are the parts we need to. What I mean by that, and I'll go one step deeper is we need to go ahead and get 80% of it done by AI and 20% needs to be upgraded by humans like only humans can, right? Maybe that's an email I'm writing to you. Maybe I'm writing a thank you email at the end of this skip. I write the thank you email on OpenAI. 
can I personalize that, upgrade it, you know, connect with you like I would if I wrote it myself and send it to you. That's the approach artists need to take. Otherwise, you're slowly but surely going to get replaced. And I don't want us to get replaced. I want us to be proactive. Well, you bring up a good point about job deplacement, because I think that is a big question in the marketplace of, you know, where does this go? What are the what are the stopping points? You know, what what are the cautions that we should be looking at? Um, and, you know, customer privacy, data security, you know, AI can be positive and it can be negative. And I think in the world that we live in right now and very rapidly, if you think about it, six months, 12 months, this has become mm-hmm. a mainstream topic. I can talk to my friends mm-hmm. that are non-tech people. I can talk to my 83-year-old dad who has no knowledge of AI and he'll have a comment one way or another. So I can't say that I can't open up my email without seeing 20 different articles about AI for that day. So it becomes a question of what point do we control AI and put regulation behind it versus just letting developers do what they need to do? Now, is that governmental intervention? Is that tech company intervention? But also, is that also limiting factors to how we grow AI? I am very conflicted in that, and I'd love to hear your opinion. Yeah, I mean, listen, I, I, I do want to say something which is very important, which is I am, and, and I think it's important for more CEOs and more folks who say, it, I don't know anything about AI. I know very little, right? I know very little about it. The whole reason we made the tool we made is so we can learn a little bit more because we are very insecure about this technology. I am very insecure about the technology, right? This makes me nervous. I feel like I finally, you know, built a company and now the whole world is saying you are in the wrong industry. This is the goal. This is the new, you know, uh, 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 you know, Silicon Valley. This is the yeah. new uh, goal rush, right? And, and that makes me very nervous and insecure. So our way of stop feeling insecure was let's, let's solve some real human problems and get to understand it a little bit. Let's make it digestible to each other. So that, that was our motivation. Our motivation was this is interesting. Let's do something here, but let's not just do something for the sake of doing something. That's how you uh, become a gimmick. Let's actually solve a real problem. So I'll start with that. Uh, and, and back to your question about, uh, you know, what do we see here? Imagine me asking you in the eighties, the power of computer, right? Uh, imagine me asking you, Hey, uh, where, where do you think computer will go? Right. Imagine me asking you, Hey, where do you think this, this website called Facebook will go? Th- this is that, except this is the fastest growing revolution. This is growing faster than any of those softwares. This has had the fastest adoption rate compared to any SaaS software. Uh, Instagram, you know, Facebook, all of those things combined. Email adoption, all of those things combined. So we just know rate of change in, in evolving tech increases, and this is the fastest we've seen something evolve. So we're not going to see this really t- take shape over the next 20 years. We'll see really... You know, things happen very rapidly in two years, four years, six years. Uh, I don't know how to control it. Uh, all I know is we need to figure some universal uh, laws on how to manage it uh, and make sure everyone uh, abides by it. I don't know how that, that would be possible. Um, but I know that it's tricky, right? Like Reagan says government should be only building libraries and park benches right. and not control these things. So I don't know. Uh, can I say I don't know? And I'm and I'm excited to learn about it, Skip. Well, I think you can because I think you're in the same spot that any honest person out there 
can answer. You know, we're all techies in this world. And I don't know if the path we're headed down is a good thing or a bad thing. I really don't. I contemplate that every single day. I just signed up for an MIT course on AI-driven capabilities for the future. And because I really want to dig into the deepest minds of where this technology is headed and the possibilities. But, you know, I think there's a lot of positive things out there. My concern behind regulation, not that I'm against it, but, you know, once again, I'm not, I don't know if I'm for it, but does regulation put us behind everybody else in the marketplace? We found ourselves now in a situation in the United States where we're trailing in technology in a lot of areas. And I think the more regulatory we get on certain things, that is also going to, you know, contradict how we can move forward with these great technologies that AI, for instance, you know, I I always think about how AI can be used in the restaurant space. And I'm thinking things like menu optimization, uh, demand forecasting, inventory management, personalized recommendations. I mean, that's a big one, but there's this point where personalized recommendations becomes, you know, that kind of goes into your world as well from an online ordering perspective. What is good and what is creepy as far as what you are able to know about this person and recommend back to them? In your online platform, are you approaching AI in any aspect in regards to that perspective of, you know, recommending products for the for their order that they're trying to place? Uh, I will answer that question in two parts. First part about regulation. You know, if we are to do this, it needs to be as serious and global as, uh, you know, how we have tried to, you know, uh, get the non-proliferation of, you know, nuclear weapons. It needs to be that global if we are to do it right. Otherwise, what you will see is some countries follow it and some not. And I think that is also unfair to the, to the people who follow uh, you know, the, the, whatever, the, the lane we create on how to go ahead and deal with AI, right? Uh, and again, that is so beyond my scope of uh, any intellect. Uh, I'm even, you know, hesitant to say any of this, right? Uh, but I'll say it, which is if, if we are to go ahead and create some guidelines, it needs to be universal. And then the second question is about how we are planning to, you know, invest and continue to invest in AI. Uh, the, what we think we want to do is build tools more for the operator, right? We want to build more tools for the operator. And I think what operators need is a way to finally say pricing should change based on supply and demand, right? Pricing should go ahead and fluctuate a little bit based on how many people are coming or maybe it's Friday night or maybe it's raining or maybe I'm not going to do well tonight. I need to go ahead and decrease. So I think that's one place we want to invest AI. That is our big focus for second half. And then on the consumer side, I, I think we still have, I think we still haven't gotten the basics right, right? I think before we invest AI in, on the consumer side, we as an industry need to do the basic machine learning that we haven't done, including uh, my company. We haven't done the basic learning of, hey, this customer used to come in for lunch. Now they're coming for dinner. Let's react to that, right? We're, we're not reacting to the fact that, hey, this customer it keeps on clicking on the vegan items that should that that means something so i think when it comes to front end there is or the consumer experience there's a lot of machine learning we need to invest in that we haven't and we're behind and when it comes to let's say the the, the operator side that's where we're really excited to invest in ai for 
pricing optimization. That is my big thing. Menu, a dynamic menu that reacts to the moment. So I love that thought concept. So I'm going to go back to a comment that I made earlier about, you know, when it comes down to being creepy about knowing customer details and the accuracy of AI. And I think we're finding ourselves in a world right now where we're, we're in the in-between. I'll call it yeah. that. that. That's my official term for this, for this podcast is we are in the in-between where I heard an example the other day of a lawyer who went before a judge and started quoting case law that did not exist because he did all of his research on AI. AI was literally making up these case studies. And, you know, it comes back down to the accuracy of the data. And what scares me is who is supplying the data to these people in order to do that. So how does it apply back to what we just talked about? So if you think about, I don't want to say profiling a customer, but just trying to understand their, the intricacies of what they like and what they want, I think we run into this area where do we possibly, you know, run into an issue where we're looking at, you know, inadvertently introducing biases on that customer that we're actually trying to uh, help out? You know, are we possibly doing a negative impact on their ordering process? So once again, I'm not going to have you answer that because that gets really, really deep and theoretical and philosophical, but you know, I think those are all things that we need to take into consideration as we move forward into this into this world of AI. So, yeah. you know, certain areas where I think AI is super, super important and helpful are like staff scheduling and optimization, even kitchen workflow. And I think this this relates specifically to your your industry where you're looking at not only recommending additional items, but ensuring consistent food quality and order accuracy. I think order accuracy is the industry's biggest problem as they have expanded into the the delivery realm of the business because it seems like nobody can get that right. Would you agree with that? 100%. It's there, there is no uh, there's there's no system to that will right now make sure I count the number of people that have walked in and walked out, right? Pick up the people who walked in and sat down, the people who order from third party companies, the people who order from first party and the people who order on my catering site and the people who are everyone else, right? Let's say a final bucket of people who just are hard to track. Uh, and if you don't get all of those folks in, in one database and one system, you will never have a true accounting of who are your guests. And how many of them are here today? And I think, again, the only reason we as an industry have failed at this, including us at Lunchbox, is because we all are not speaking the same language. We all are, you know, we all like I'm speaking English and someone else is speaking, you know, uh, Turkish and someone else decided they're going to write on Python and someone else decided they'll write on MongoDB. So it's, we all have not universally picked a, 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 you know, a set of rules so we can help the restaurateurs out. Uh, and, and that is a great place for us to have AI, you know, connect all of those, uh, all of those things together and help the operator make decisions, right? Not just labor decisions, but inventory decisions, not just inventory decisions, but where else should I open decisions? Like where, where, where should I open my next location? Right. Talk to me. Talk, yeah. let's talk about real estate. So that's the exciting place for this to really go ahead and double click on. I completely agree. Now, before I give your closing statement, because 
fortunately, we're running against our time here. Tell me a little bit about, give me one fact that the rest of the world does not know about Nabil. Uh, that's so hard, Skip. I love this. <laughs> I, I love is it, it. Is it because you have an open open life and you put everything out there? Because I kind of do the same thing. I, I put I put like a good half of it out there, and the other half is private. Uh, one fact that the rest of the world doesn't know about me. Okay, I was I I, I didn't I, I sat in the back of the class and I never talked and I never said anything and I never wanted to talk to like twenty one till twenty one. You couldn't get me to say two words, uh, skip. Uh, and then something happened at 21. I, there's a flip that switched, uh, and I became a different person. But before 21, you know, I just wanted to be in the back of the class and mind my own business and, and not bother anyone and not be bothered. That's one thing I think people don't believe or don't know about me. So I think there's a, there's a relatively unknown fact. I mean, you've put it out there, but you just recently started running, correct? Yes, I did. I, I started running and I, I've received some amazing tips from you uh, and, and it was really helpful. I, I invested a lot of it already. Well, if somebody looks at me, they're like, well, he, he was not a runner because I think we did, we talked about it. I put out there that um, I was a three-time qualifying slash two-time uh, actually runner of the Boston Marathon with Pretty darn, amazing. Yeah, with pretty darn good time. I used to be a really, really fast guy. And then I started in the food industry. Let me just put it that way. And I'll leave it at that. Um, That's but, funny because I started running because I am in the food industry. So, <laughs> you know, it's a, it's a, a, a catch 22. It is a catch 22. Unfortunately, the first brand I ever joined was a company called Anthony's Coal Fire Pizza. And it's a great brand. They, it is a great brand and they had great food and great <laughs> craveable food. And they would constantly bring in the food to the office. So that was the downfall of my running career. Let me just put it that way. But uh, Skip, I don't appreciate you blaming your, your delicious pizza employer <laughs> for you can go out today. It's a beautiful day. Where are you, by the way, Skip? I'm in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. It's actually not raining today, believe it or not. Normally we, it's pouring on Memorial Day, but it looks like a beautiful day today. And where are you based out of? I'm in New York. I'm heading to Boston right after this uh, to meet some of my team members tomorrow. But what I love to do when I go to a new city is do a quick run. So uh, I'm, I'm going to text you offline, see if you can give me a trail. There you go. Well, you know, one thing I love to do is run in every new city I went to because I love to track that online. So I'm going to make sure we're friends on Strava and we, we follow each other. Nabil, well, I thank you so much for joining us today. But in closing... Give me your, your, your last thoughts about the future of delivery and online ordering as a whole. Thank you so much, first of all, for having me. Um, in closing, I think, I think the future of online ordering and the future of delivery is going to be let's, let's hyper-focus on what each channel is meant to do. Third-party websites like Uber, GrubHub, DoorDash, they're amazing. Let's treat them like Groupon. Let's treat them only like Groupon. Let's treat them to go meet new customers. We don't want repeat customers there. We want new customers. New customers come by. Repeat customers, you're not our customers. You're Uber's customers or DoorDash's. They're fine site, but we don't make any money on them, right? So what we want to do as an industry, we want to invest in our own ordering, our own app, our own digital storefront. And that's that. that we need to make that count. We are not making that count right now. Those prices, we need to make them count. The offerings, the specials, the, the giveaways, the, the storytelling, all of that needs to amp, amp, amp up 
And and that's how we help restaurants make their digital storefront. Let's not open virtual brands. We don't need to open any more virtual brands. Let's make sure our digital storefront for our restaurant, it could be cold pizza, it could be sweet green, it could be McDonald's. Let's make sure it's, you know, really fantastic. Because when I dine at these restaurants, I have a fantastic experience and that is lost on first party ordering and delivery at large. So that's that's closing statement, Skip. Nabil, thank you for so much for joining us today. You know, and today is Memorial Day, which I love the fact that you respect why we're celebrating today. And the fact that we're recording today, I was a little conflicted. You know, it's, I really respect today and, and what it stands for. But it also happens to be the only day you and I have a chance probably to connect due to the fact that the rest of the world is probably not working. So we're not being inundated with phone calls and emails, etc. But I think what we're talking about today is so important. But more importantly, the fact that you took time out today to spend time with me means a heck of a lot. The show is going to air in the future, so it probably won't mean as much to somebody listening to the show right now. It really means a lot that you would take the time to talk to me today, and you're specifically based upon your your reaction and your thoughts about what today means to you. Skip, thank you so much for having me. Thank you for everything you do for the industry. I genuinely mean that. Uh, you are a connector and you just want to help. Uh, I don't know how you make money because you help people everywhere around you. Uh, and, and you're one of those people. And I'll just say one last thing. Uh, I used to intern for this uh, organization called Clear Path for Veterans. Uh, it was upstate New York. What they do is they help uh, veterans when they come back uh, via counseling, therapy, via pets, job placement, and many, many other ways. Uh, if you guys are listening, go give them some of your money if you have extra. Uh, thank you so much, Skip. What, what's the website for that? Clear Path for Veterans. And the website clearpathne.org. Awesome. That is an amazing cause. I can't wait to check it out. Thank you again. Thank you for everything you do for the industry. And I look forward to seeing you at the next event. What are your thoughts about AI? Do you agree with Nabil in regards to his viewpoint on the future of AI, its use and regulation around it? How about the future of virtual brands and delivery? Where is all that headed? I would love to hear your comments, so don't be shy to reach out to me. You can do so via everything social at Skip Kimple or everything at Constrata. This includes Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. You can always go to the website at skipkimple.com for all of the archive shows, including all the show notes. And you can also hear all of these new episodes on the Constrata website at constrata.io. And of course, you can always email me at skip.kimple at constrata.io. Busy and crazy times in our industry right now. This also happens to be a very timely subject today, especially around the online ordering and virtual kitchen side of things, as we are starting to see a slowdown in online ordering and a significant shakeup on that side of the industry. I would also love to hear your thoughts on where you think the digital restaurant is headed. I will be out at the new hospitality show in Vegas next week. Who is going to be there? Ping me if you are so we can hook up and say hello. And just like last episode, I must head out to the airport and jump on another plane. Seems like that is all I'm doing lately. I have learned to become quite the road warrior. I hope you have a great week and want to thank all of you who tuned in today and are loyal fans of the Tech Chef. 
So until next Tuesday, stay safe, stay healthy, and stay hungry, my friends. Mm-hmm.